let the Lord use you. Praise the Lord. Amen. And uh, then today also, this is uh, uh, a time when we remember our veterans. And we are so blessed to live in a nation of freedom. Amen. And we have so many rights and so many freedoms. And uh, before we get in the word this morning, I just want to share a video with you of appreciation for all of our veterans. Amen. We are so blessed because we live in a nation where people call it duty to get up and go to work on a day when they know that, as we've seen, they may have hugged their family for the last time. But preserving and protecting our freedom is something that they call their duty. 
And whether it's our military or law enforcement, in this last week we just lost another officer in a shooting and and it's just tragic, but it's families and it's amazing to me that we have people that choose a life of service that puts their life on the line for our protection and for our freedom. And uh, even if wounded or hampered from that service, that if they were still able, they would go back and do it again. And uh, it's amazing. And uh, one of my heroes is a man in our church. You may don't know, but Bill Waddell is law enforcement and his handicap is because of service as a motorcycle officer in pursuit of somebody breaking the law is someone pulled out in front of him and he experienced an accident but I know Bill if he was able would serve again and that's a hero amen and no matter whether it's our military or law enforcement, they deserve our ultimate respect. And uh, so if you served in any capacity in our armed forces or military or, or even law enforcement, would you just stand so we could acknowledge you and show our appreciation to you? I know Adrian and others and Bill, Cole, and Kathleen, God bless you. Michael. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Hallelujah. It is uh, humbling. Amen. And I'm proud of all of our young men who have gone out from our church and women who are involved in military. Um, my son spent 12 years in the Air Force and that, and uh, our son Austin. So we're blessed as a nation. Amen? Yes. Hallelujah. So thank you, thank you. Bill, you're my hero, buddy. I love you, man. You're awesome. Um, yeah, let me just remind you just quick before we dive into our message this morning about water baptism coming up. If you've never been water baptized, I want to encourage you to, to sign up and be water baptized and from that standpoint it's our first step in discipleship Jesus says go and make disciples baptizing them in the name of the Father so believing them being baptized and then learning how to walk and live in the word and that amen and then one other area I just would encourage you uh, to uh, help us our heart our goal our passion with our service changes we made and ministry changes we made is really to minister to young families how many know in this day and this hour uh, our young families need all the help they can get it's a crazy time and uh, so uh, I think about my kids and my, my my kids are all grown but I got grandkids and I'm thinking about them and my children raising kids. And, and uh, they need all the support and help uh, that they can get. And that's what we want to do. We want to encourage our young family. But we can only do that by, by having people who will help us provide that ministry. So I would really encourage you to get involved somewhere in children's ministry. And, and I've learned this over the years. I, I believe this with all my heart. That what the Word says, what you make happen for others, God will make happen for you. As you do unto others, that, that same thing happened to you. So as, as I, I believe this, and I, I've lived by this, that as I give and minister to other people's children, God ministers to my children. 
Amen. I receive seed off of what, the harvest off of the seed that I sow. So I encourage you, get involved and help serve. There's areas in there in, in your bulletin how you can be involved. Amen. Hallelujah. David, go ahead and put our slide up. Did you bring your Bible this week? Amen. Got your real Bible. Hallelujah. I'll share with you a little bit why I shared this morning out why it's so important in, in doing this. Just before we say this, because I like this Bible I shared. I have others that I preach out of from time to time. But this one, when I really feel I have a great word, <laughs> I, I preach out of this Bible. Only because I've been preaching out of this for 29 years. And uh, when we left Bieber, our, the, the, our youth group there bought me this. We called them the God Squad. So this is my gift from the God Squad. And uh, they gave it to me and they signed it and everything in the front. But uh, over 29 years, I have the encounters of me and God together. That when I spend time in His Word, I, I write in here and I mark in here. And, when, and every time I open it, I say, wow. Lord, I remember when you showed me that in your word. And so the word that, that there's something about the Bible, just a Bible, that does something that, that's different. I'm thankful for all the tools and resources we have, but there's something about the book. Amen? Amen. And, uh, and having that in your hands. I just encourage you, just let's go retro. Amen. Just be retro and, uh, and do that. Hallelujah. It'll build your muscles up. Get a big one like this that weighs about five pounds. You know, you move it from arm to arm. You get a little workout. Hallelujah. Come on, say this with me. This is my Bible. I live by its truth. I walk in its light. I rest in its promises. I am empowered by its love. I overcome by the faith produced from receiving this seed sown into my heart. Father, I thank you in these next few moments, Lord, that that will become a living reality in each and every one of our lives. Father, as Paul prayed that the eyes of our understanding would be open to see with clarity your word and your truth revealed to us today. Holy Spirit, cause the word to come alive to us. And uh, Lord, as, as those on the road to Emmaus said, didn't our hearts burn within us as he opened the scriptures to us? Father, let our hearts receive your word. And Father, open the word to us today. Let us see truth that we haven't seen before. In Jesus' name. Somebody said? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, we've been going through our outline, and I'm going to kind of tie a knot in it today, leading in to another series that I've contemplated doing for quite a while, but really based upon, I'm a, it's, I have a little bit of information at the end of the outline, but I'm going to go into a whole series on the Holy Spirit, and meaning because we are called to be people of the Spirit, and in the garden, you read it in Genesis chapter 3, and we shared it last couple of weeks ago in, this, in talking about choices in word, but in Genesis 3 and verse 8, it says that Adam was in the garden, and he heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden. He heard God's voice walking in the garden. And what that means is that we were created to be people of the voice. What distinguishes us apart? In fact, as I've been reading through Isaiah the last couple of weeks, just in some devotional time, it's amazing. God has one point. He goes, hey, uh, go, go get all your idols. They have no voice. You carve these things, and that's the distinguishing part, is that God is the God of his voice. And we are to be a people that hear and know God's voice. Amen, to know that. And, and, and it shouldn't be, people should not make fun of you. I mean, people say a lot of stupid things. I've said several in my life. 
in that. But, but, but in this area, to, that, that when people say, I heard God say, or the Lord said to me, that, that should be normal. That's not acceptable. That's normal that we hear God's voice and we know God's voice. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. Amen. So we're to be people of the voice. And the Holy Spirit is God's voice to us. God speaks to us by his spirit. We're to be people of the spirit and to understand him and to walk with him. So we'll do a series leading up to Christmas on the Holy Spirit. Amen. And so we've been, we've been in this on Psalms chapter 25 talking about choice. And how many know the Holy Spirit will always help us make good choices? If we, if we ask him, he'll help us make our choice. Psalms 25 is there in your outline. Excuse me. Where is the man who fears the Lord? God will teach him how to choose the best. He shall live within God's circle of blessing. How many know to be taught how to choose something? How many have ever had a teacher that said nothing to you? No, we're, we're, we're instruction. Instruction comes by word. So if somebody's going to teach me how to choose the best, there's going to be an instruction that comes and, and, and to do that. He shall live within God's circle of blessing, and his children shall inherit the earth. Friendship with God is reserved for those who reverence him. With them alone, he shares the secrets of his promises. Man, that, I, just, I just love that passage of Scripture. So let's walk through our outline this morning for the next few moments. We are the directors, words are the directors of our lives to influence the choices we make for life or death, for blessing or cursing, for good or evil. Every decision we make is connected to words just like Adam's was. We begin, we begin in the Scriptures. Man uh, begins, he's created by God, set in the garden, and the first thing happened, he has a, 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 an interaction with Satan, with another being, and this being begins to speak words to them, and the credence that he gives to those words, or the access that he gives to those words into his life, form the decision that Eve and, and Adam begin to make. Listening to those words shape their decision. They are the words we speak to ourselves, and the words we allow others to speak to us. Amen. And uh, you, you will watch. Watch it. How many have, have kids, uh, uh, teenage or getting close to teenage kids? How many ever hear your kids he say what other kids are saying? And then you say, I don't really want you hanging around that person because their words are getting in you. Amen? And so that input, so what you're doing is say, hey, I, I don't want those words because words have carry weight with them. They, 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 they have influence. Are you with me? And so we and kids are, oh, you don't want me to have any friends. No, I want you to have good friends. Amen. Friends that will speak life to you and not things that, that will move you to make the wrong kind of choices. So they are the words that we speak and we allow others to speak. All words are a creative force for which man will be held accountable. And I want to read this again. We read it last week, but I want you to go back to Matthew chapter 12 because this is such a significant passage. And sometimes, you know, just the Bible says enough. It, it uh, I like what, I think it was Francis Chan I heard say it. He said, for some reason we think we can read one verse and take an hour to explain it because God didn't know how to say it himself. <laughs> Amen. We do a lot of preachers like to do a lot of opinion sharing instead of just letting the word speak for itself. Matthew chapter 12, verse 31. Therefore I say to you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the spirit will not be forgiven men. Anyone who speaks a word, somebody say speaks a word. 
So watch this. All this is having to do with speech and with words. Against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him, either in this age or in the age to come. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. How many know Jesus didn't shift gears and start talking about fruit and not be talking about words? So it's an illustration of words that, like a tree, our words are the fruit that produces out of our life. But let me go back to the verse before that. How many know that if blasphemy or speaking words against the Holy Spirit has a judgment to it in this life and in the world to come, I might want to know a little bit about who the Holy Spirit is. And how to speak right about him. Amen? And then, so he goes on to say, either make the tree good, verse 34, brood of vipers. How can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speak. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good things. And an evil man, out of the evil treasures, brings forth evil things. How many know he's still talking about words? Verse 36, he says, But I say to you, for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. How many know many times people worry about people see what they're doing? I don't want people to see what I'm doing, but we don't always think about what I'm saying. But listen to what Jesus said. Verse 37, for by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. So that just tells me words are kind of significant. They're pretty significant in our life. And so we want to have that understanding. All words are held accountability to them. Even the secular world understands this and does its best to influence the word spoken into the hearts of the next generation on every level to produce through them what they wish to receive. The people who are involved and have gotten involved over the last 30 or 40 years in our country, even a little bit more, have done that because they want to get involved in our educational system. I'll just use you for an example. A lot of the stuff in the demonstration that we are being seen has been prolificated and, 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 and uh, sewn into a generation through education. So a lot of the thoughts and, and the understanding. And we live, in, we live in a nation that is wrapped up in identities. I identify as this, I identify as that, I identify with this party, that party, this view, that view, this area. Everything has an identity, and then every identity has a set of values that goes with it, and then every set of values, is that, that identity and that value is supposed to have a direction. Think about it like this, even when you were born, you have an identity for when you were born. So our, uh, the, 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 the post-generation of, of World War II, we had the builders, then we went into the boomers, and then the baby, bo and then the baby boomers, and then this. So I'm not sure where I'm at. I'm either a boomer or a baby or somewhere in there. And that. But, then, but, but then those people in there, every, every birth identity they give you is supposed to have a set of values with it. That that age group has a set of values. And, and then we got into Generation X and Generation Y. And, and the, so you had Gen X and Gen Y. And then we had Millennial. And now we have, I, I don't even know what we have anymore. But you're told there that, that, that whatever area, that's your identity. You were born in there, so this is your identity. And these are the values of that generation. And this is the direction that they're going. But those are, those are things that people are placing upon you through words. 
And so that's being directed in our life, and the world understands that greatly. But God gives us another identity of who we are in Christ. He gives us His values, and the direction He gives us is always toward His glory. Amen? And so that, that principle works. Words can change the atmosphere of a room, ignite faith, fuel doubt, build confidence, or instill fear. They can unite with love or destroy with hate. They lead us into truth and life or deceive and destroy with the lie. Words and their influence will determine where everyone spends eternity. It's just the way it goes. People will determine where they spend eternity based upon what value they place upon word. Jesus said it like this, the words I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. The disciples, when, when he was in John chapter 6, he, he, ma- he made that statement in John chapter 6. And, uh, but he, when Jesus started saying, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you are none of mine. I'm the living bread. You have to partake in me. People said, this is too hard to hear. This is too hard of a saying, and multitudes turned away from him. Jesus turned to his disciples and said, will you leave me also? And they said, where else can we go? Only you have the words of eternal life. So that's so important to understand. So God has, we make our choice for eternity in that area. Look inside your outline. So the question we ask ourselves, do words and choices ever leave our lives? Go with me, if if you would, to uh, Galatians chapter 6. Do our words and choices ever leave our lives? I'm just going to submit to you no. Galatians chapter 6, beginning in verse 6. Let him who is taught in the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man, what? Sows, that shall he also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. Or every seed reproduces after its own kind. So if I'm going to sow to my lower nature, if I'm going to sow to my spirit, they're both going to produce a harvest either way. Verse, verse 9. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season, somebody say due season. In due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Praise the Lord. So what does that mean? Once a word is sown, it remains where it is planted. God ordained that his word would never return void of accomplishing the purpose he intended for it. And so many times, words are like dormant seed. They're there, and they're dormant, but they have an appointed time to bring forth harvest. And we have to decide in our life, most of the time, we don't want to wait for appointed time. We want it now. There's that one company out there that if you have an annuity or money set aside, they go, hey, it's my money. I want it now. We tend to go, hey, it's my promise. I want it now. But many times, God knows the appointed time that we need. And I shared it. I'm excited. These came in on Thursday. These are our final plans for the building that finally got here. I kept saying, Lord, why does it take so many months to draw some plant? We're just, we're not even really putting up. I mean, it's just amazing how little we're doing. But then they have to go through everything and all the calculation and all this and all that and all the mechanical, yada, yada, yada. Hallelujah. But when it comes to that, 
and I really believe that we are at an appointed time for our church. We're at the right place. Other people go, well, it should have happened here, it should have happened there at a different time. No, when you're walking with God, God brings everything about at the appointed time. But if we force it and we say, it's mine, I want it now, we get there. How many have ever forced time with God? You know, instead of waiting, you kind of went to make it happen. We, we kind of have that story that we could have learned from. That's why reading the Old Testament is really good. The Bible says everything in the Old Testament is for us to learn how to not make bad choices. It says it's written there so we learn not to make their mistakes. How many know Abraham made a pretty good mistake not waiting for God's time? Okay, moving right along. So appointed time is better than our time. Amen? But watch this. His word never quits producing, and it has no limit. When it comes to the word of God, we need to know we're the only ones that put limits on the word of God. God puts no limit on his word. And so sometimes we just need to break out and believe God for limitless faith. Never set a boundary around the word of God, what he can do, can't do. It's amazing how many Christians talk about what God can't do. You know, God, there's only a few things that God says he can't do. One is he can't lie. So whatever he said is true. Are you with me? But we have all kinds of reasons why God can't do things today. But I want you to think about this just when it comes to the word. In the beginning, God spoke and he said, light be and light was. And he never said light go this far and no further. He just said light be. And you know, science and, 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 and uh, all the, the, the astronomical people out there, whatever that's called, where they study the universe and they send the probes out and NASA and all those guys, they've sent probes out. They've gotten as far as they can read. And they say, as far as we can see, this is what we see. The universe is continually expanding. Light is going forth and expanding and creative and blowing up out there because God said light be and not stop. And that's the way God works. He doesn't speak in the parameters. We operate in confines. God does not. So the soil of man's heart, though, hear this, is the most sacred place on earth. It is the receiving ground for God's word. God ordained that man would live or have life by the word sown into his heart. Every one of us is living based upon your concept, your view. Going back to what I said, your identity your values and the direction of your life has been shaped by words. That's an inescapable principle. Every one of you has your own identity. And within your identity, you have your own value structure. And then your identity and your values determine all of your directional choices in life. In that. But God ordained that we would live by His Word. His Word gives us a new identity. And, 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 and when we live and declare His Word, we live and we go in the direction that He already had. In fact, go, go with me to Ephesians chapter 2. You're kind of right there. Just go to Ephesians 2 and watch this in verse 10. Ephesians 2 and verse 10 says, We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them. So what does that mean? That means God has a direction. He has a path for our life and direction for our life. And when I accept his identity and his values for my life, I find myself on his path. And it is a good path. Amen. Walking in his direction. Praise the Lord. So I want you to think about this. We are all living by those results. But our choices don't negate God's purpose in our life, for our life, but they can disqualify us from fulfilling the desire of our heart. What does that mean? There can be some things that I desire to do for God. David had a desire to build God a temple. 
He said, God, it's not fair that I live in a palace and you live in a tent. To God, I want to build a temple. So David drew the plans for the tabernacle. But God said, David, because of your choices, because you're a man of of war and of blood, you can't build my house. So some of his choices disqualified him from being able to fulfill his desire in God. Are you listening to me? And same thing with Moses. Moses had a desire to enter the promise, but his choices kept him out of the promised land. And so it doesn't mean that God, uh, that, that we negate his promise for our life, but it means that we can sometimes not see that desire fulfilled. The Apostle Paul's ministry was a harvest of the good and the bad choices that he made in his life. I don't have time to read it, but Acts 26 verses 1 through 12, he's standing before Agrippa and he's given account and he literally said, before I got saved, I persecuted the church, I threw people in the prison, I, 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 I gave permission for people to be killed. I stood there and gave permission, but then I, had, I was on my way. Even when I met the Lord, I was on my way to Damascus with letters signed, basically with warrants for arrest to throw Christians into prison and that. But the Lord showed up, amen, and knocked me off my donkey, so to speak, amen, and, and had this encounter. And Paul said, but then you read, you go on and you read in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, and Paul gives his litany, or he gives his, uh, his ministry resume and his qualifications. Let, let me talk to you about being an apostle who's qualified to speak. But this, he talks about all the persecutions that he endured, because what you sow is what you reap. Do not be deceived. Whatever man sows, that shall he also reap. So in chapter 11, he's reading off all the persecutions that he endured and, and from sowing those seeds and that. And then in chapter 12, he's praying, Lord, could, could this just be removed from my life? And God says, I can't remove it because whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. But what I can do for you is I can grace you to make it through the harvest of the bad seed. And so God says, my grace is sufficient for you. And Paul says, okay, I understand that. I will glory in my weakness because when I'm weak, then the power of Christ rests upon me and I'm made strong. So grace, God's grace can be there to help us through the harvest of bad seed that we, we have sowed. But grace is just not an escape power. We're supposed to learn from those bad seeds and not sow that way anymore. So grace becomes a power that moves us toward motion, not just graces us out of failure. Amen? I don't want to just have grace get me out of failure. I want grace working in my life to move me on to promotion. Are you with me this morning? So think about this. Let's talk about this area just for a moment. And uh, as, we, as we tie close to this and we understand how all that works, I want to talk about the area of the power of confession, the power of prayer, praying in the Holy Spirit just for a minute on each one, and about being prophetic and preaching. These five areas just real quick. But in the power of confession, how many got two outlines this morning? Okay, get, get the second one out that you got. The second one is just some confessions that I printed out for you. And it's just personal prayer confessions over our lives in the body of Christ. And every one of these is just scripture. Okay? No commentary. It's, it's just the word of God. How many know it's okay to declare the word of God? It's okay to confess the word, to declare it. And so what you do, how do I do that? Well, you take the Word of God and you make it personal. This is God's love letter to you. It's a personal letter to you. This is His promise affirmed to you. So when you're up against different different things, we can say and declare different things. Philippians 2 uh, through 11, chapter 2, verses 2 through 11, declares that because we are saved, I can say that Jesus is Lord over my spirit, my soul, and my body. Amen? 
I can declare that every day. In fact, I prayed with one of our teenagers uh, in second service. He goes, I, I, in first service, he said, I, I need help with my school and, and struggling, passing grade. I said, well, let's just declare this, that you have the mind to cry, that God graces you. He gives you the strength, the ability. And I just got her confessing that God will enable her and give her the ability to learn. Thank you, Lord. You help me to do what I can't do. Amen. And so, and, and, and just praying with her. And so it's so important that we understand God is on our side. I want you to skip down because it says, as the body of Christ, we are redeemed from the curse. Jesus bore our sickness and carried our diseases in his own body. By his stripes, we are healed. We now forbid any sickness or disease to operate in our body. Every organ, every tissue of our bodies functions in the perfection in which God created it to function. We honor God and bring glory to him in our body. Now, how many know that's spoken in the third person, but you can put it in the first person. Amen. And I encourage you, pray that over the church, but also speak that in the first person over your life. You go down to the next one. It says, we are believers, not doubters. We hold fast to our confession of faith. We decide to walk by faith and to practice faith. Our faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Jesus is the author and the developer of our faith. Every one of those you could declare over your life daily. Amen. And begin to declare the word of God. Speak right thing. Yeah, but I don't feel like that word. Glory to God, turn your brain off and let your face talk. Amen. Too many times we let our brain negate our spirit in that. Amen. And then, so watch it. Declaring God's word because we're made in his image. Think about that. I want you to catch. You are made in the image of God. You are made in his likeness. You are created like him. You are children of God. Amen. So when God speaks, watch this, when God speaks, he expects what he says to come to pass. What would happen if his children, when we speak his word, we expected it to come to pass? Are you with me? God expects his word to come to pass. Think about it. We are constantly declaring words. We want to make sure that they will produce a harvest that you can live with. So choose your seed wisely. We all speak words daily that convict us or that we wish we could take back and undo. There's something in us that confirms this. And Romans 10 says that we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth. Everybody look up here just for a second. Whatever you believe in your heart is what you're speaking out of your mouth. That's the, that's the principle. We're saved and we live by what comes out of our mouth. Gee, that's why we read, make the tree good or make it evil. A good man out of that good treasure. We understand that and we live by that daily. Think about it. Jesus only spoke what he heard his father say. If you have your Bible, go with me to John chapter 12 real quick. John chapter 12, beginning in verse 44, Jesus says, He who believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And he who sees me, sees him who sent me. Verse 46, I have come as light into the world, and whoever believes in me should not be, that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not believe, I do not judge him. For I did not come into the world to judge the world, but to save the world. So Jesus said, I came declaring words. And if anyone hears my words, I, 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 save the world, verse 48. He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. 
For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his command is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me, so I speak. So Jesus is saying those words are what govern our life. So as God's people, when we say yes to God, we're, we're saying yes to his word, and his word is life for us. Amen? Hallelujah. So important for us to understand that. The Holy Spirit, though, come to cause us to remember what Jesus said. He comes to us so we can hear and say the right word. These are words that cannot be stopped. They always produce God's desiring harvest. Go with me to Isaiah 40. Uh, six real quick are you doing all right I said it I said it in first service and I know it won't happen but I think services should be as long as movies amen who say well why do I want to listen to the word that long well let me put you like this this is the preparation for the test how you prepare. Life is a test. When you go out there tomorrow, you're going to make all your decisions this week based upon how well you prepared for the test of life. My job is just to preach a word that helps you be prepared for the test. Uh, Isaiah 46 and verse 8 says, Remember this and show yourselves as men. Recall to mind, O you transgressors, remember the former things of old. Watch this. For I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. Look at verse 10. Declaring the end... From the beginning and from the ancient times, things that are not yet, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Calling a bird of prey from the east, the man who executes my counsel from a far country. Indeed, I have spoken it, I will bring it to pass, I have purposed it, I also will do it. Wow. How many know God's word is true? Amen. Paul said it like this in 1 Thessalonians 5. He says, faithful is he who called you who will also do it. Amen. So when we take God at his word, we can believe for that designed harvest that comes with it. What about the power of prayer? Prayer is petitioning God according to his word. Think about that. We're just petitioning God according to his word. What does that mean? For many of us, our failure in prayer is due to a lack of knowing God's revealed will for our lives through his word. Many times we're praying things that don't line up with the word of God. That's why when we have prayers like this and confession, just speak this over here. Speak the word. Amen. Just begin praying the word. You can never go wrong praying the word. Amen. Why? Because watch this. In this area, the hardest thing to do can be to speak right words. Think about the attack that comes against your prayer life. How many have ever set out to pray, and you're just kind of going along, you set some time aside, and then as soon as you, whether you kneel down, you're sitting in prayer, you're walking in prayer, doing, as soon as you begin to pray, your mind explodes with thoughts out of nowhere. You go, what is up with that? I wasn't even thinking, and now as soon as I kneel down and start to pray, this massive bombardment of thoughts come out of anywhere because the devil wants you doing anything except reminding God of his word concerning your life and the lives of others. He wants you doing anything than believing God to see his word to come to pass in your life. And that's why, as, as we'll learn, that's an area where Paul says, when I pray in the spirit, my mind is unfruitful, but my spirit is praying. So your spirit can be praying and your mind can be totally disengaged. 
That's the way I pray. I just kind of get over there and let my mind free will. It does it most of the time. Amen. If you know me very much, you know that. My brain's pretty squirrely and that. And so when I'm preaching under the anointing, I sound really smart. You get me by myself, I'm a mess. Amen. And so in that, but, but while I can pray in the Spirit, I can pray in the Spirit, and my mind can be over here for you, but I can pray in the Spirit, and so my spirit can pray because my spirit is not part of my soul. My soul is my mind, my will, and my emotion, but my spirit man has the mind of Christ. Amen. And the Spirit can make intercession. Through. Are you with me? So powerful. And the enemy knows that. Think about it. Prayer is the opportunity to speak to God and make petition and request for the harvest of the word or the seed that he has spoken to us. God, you spoke it. I believe it. I'm asking you for that harvest, calling in the harvest. The devil knows that both God and man, understand this. If you don't get anything out today, the devil knows that both God and man can be held accountable to their words. And he wants to hold you accountable before God. But he does not want you holding God accountable through prayer. The devil doesn't want you going to God and say, God, you said in your word, and so I'm standing on your word. Amen. If you didn't mean it, you shouldn't have said it. Because why? If Galatians, if Galatians, if God said, not even Galatians, in Matthew 12, look what Jesus said. Man will give an account for every word that he has spoken in judgment. So God cannot hold you to a standard that he doesn't enforce upon himself. God can be held accountable for every word that he has declared. And in prayer, that's literally what we're doing. God, I'm standing on your word. You said. Don't be afraid to go to God and say, God, you said. And so, God, I'm standing your word. I believe that I receive what you said. I'm not making things up. I'm just asking for what you said you would do concerning me. Amen? And so when we declare those promises, especially on healing or doing that, just speak the word and believe the word. Think about it. What about the power of praying in the Holy Ghost? Speaking the perfect will of God. The number one thing the devil hates is God's will for your life. He doesn't want you to know it or to pray it for anyone else. Amen. And we'll get into that when we move into this series. Because the devil's greatest fear is a truly spirit-filled believer. Amen. What about the purpose of the prophetic as we get ready to close? The purpose of the prophetic is to declare the word of God into the soil of the earth. Everybody look up here. I want you to hear this so clear. God has no other way. God has no other way of getting his word into the earth except through your mouth. He has no other way. And there are times over the years and the decades that we've been preaching that, that God will stir up a word in me and it is a revealed word. It is a word of truth. It is a principle word. And I know that when I'm preaching, God is having me declare it into the earth because it's more than just for the people who will hear it. How many know that every time you read this Bible, there's, I always think, how many people heard these guys prophesy? But yet it was a word to a whole nation. And so Isaiah who spoke, or Jeremiah, or any of the prophets who spoke to maybe a handful of people, but he spoke that word into the earth, and that word spoken from God into the earth, a whole people is being held accountable to it. Are you doing all right? And so prophetic is something that we really don't understand. There's so many things that are in the prophetic that have just become pathetic. 
And people are just taking too much license and doing stuff. But prophetic is declaring the revealed will of God. Speaking and declaring the revealed will of God into the earth. If you take God, the word of God, out of life or a place, that void must be filled and replaced with other words. Whether it's in schools or in religion, any place. If we are not declaring his word and his will into the soil of the earth and man's heart, then something else has taken its place. We will live by the harvest of the seeds we have sown and declared. Every person is the prophet of their own life. So speak the word. I read it over our prayer time Sunday night, and I had everybody turn to Ezekiel 37, and, and I just read through it. And in that time, it's where, Zeke, where God says to Ezekiel, Ezekiel, come out here and look at this valley. And it's a valley of dry bones. It says, what do you see? I see a valley of very dry, white, bleached bones that have been laying in the sun. These people have been dead for a long time, and long enough there. How many have ever seen? You know, you see roadkill. You say, that's fresh. Wasn't there yesterday, or you drive by something, you see just that bleach bones there, and you go, man, that one's there a long time. Amen? And so Ezekiel's going, that, that, man, it's there, and God says, can they live? Can they live? Ezekiel answered really well. He says, I don't know, but you do. Good answer, amen? And this is what God said, son of man, prophesy, prophesy, speak to the bone, command them to come together, to stand up, to have the muscles and the sinew and, and come back upon them, to, to be reformed, command skin, call the skin and, and everything from the four corners to come upon them. And next thing you know, he says, they went from being dry bone to a standing army, an exceedingly great army. And so what God said, he said, son of man, you speak and life will come. And you need to hear me. When it comes to seeing there are things that we give up on because they just look like dry bone promises. Look like dry bone situation. God, is that thing ever going to live? No, it'll live. Take the word of God. Just speak the word of God. But see, we go back to that appointed time and, and, and we get all emotional with God. We've given up because we think in time it should happen now, but God thinks in appointed time. And we want God to move because many times our choices are made out of emotion. I will guarantee you the majority of choices that we make are based on the emotional contact and context of the situation that we're involved in. And so many times our standards become situational ethics instead of just truth. Emotions cause you to have situational standards. But God is never moved by emotions. He's only moved by his word. He only responds to his word. But God, we think you should alter your word because I'm in a really dire situation. You should have more feelings for me. And be, be moved by feelings, not by truth. Amen? Let me finish with this. Speak and declare the word of God. What is our purpose of preaching? So worship team comes back. It is to plant the seed in the hearts of the people. Once the word is preached, all man is left with is a choice. Once we hear the word, all we're left with is a choice. So I'm, I'm preaching this whole series on choice and on words. And you're left with the choice. Is what pastor's saying really true? Well, if you go to the word and it's in the word, now you're left with a choice. Just like Jesus said. I'm here just to declare what the Father said. Amen? And then to live by that. And then we make that choice. Once I've heard, I will no longer have an excuse before God. 
Once I hear truth, I'm without excuse. Romans chapter 3, verse 19 says, In that day, speaking of judgment day, when we all stand before God, the Bible says every mouth will be stopped. How many know when your kids get in trouble and you start talking to them, they start giving you excuses? They're trying to get out of, you know, trying to work it, explain it, run the angle. People will try to do the same thing before God. God will say this, shut up. Every mouth will be stopped. There'll be no excuse. Because we've heard and we've already made our choice based upon what we heard. Amen? In that area, we choose. The gospel is the call back to life through Christ. It is the power of God under salvation for my choices. So the question is, how do we get it right, guys? How do we get it right? How can we know what to speak and when to speak? How can we be sure we're speaking the right things at the right time? I believe that Jesus said he would help us. And that's why we're going to move in this series on the Holy Spirit. Because he said the Holy Spirit would come and he would send a helper, another comforter. He would be God's voice in our lives. He would be sent to teach us all things. To bring all things to our members. To lead us, to guide us into all truth. To show and reveal to us things to come. To help us in our weaknesses. And to build up our most holy faith. I believe in the hour that we are in. It is imperative now more than ever in this day in which we find ourselves living that we know how to walk with and be led by the Spirit. You were made, created spiritual, not natural. Hear this statement. Man's natural state is his fallen state. He's out of character when living naturally. When we live in the natural we create problems that flow from a spiritual imbalance. Amen. You say, Pastor, you're throwing too much of us in one service. And you have been conditioned by society to live by sound bites. You're getting conditioned more and more to want to hear just little blimps of sound bites. How many know problems don't come as sound bites? If you want to be victorious, You're going to have to break free from the culture of this world. Do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed to this world. Be transformed by renewing your mind. You're not going to renew your mind in soundbite. I work and work and work. All these years I've worked and people say, you need to preach shorter messages. You need to have less in there. I try. It never works. I'm, I'm being honest. I'm, I'm not trying to make it. I'm just telling you. Your life needs more than a soundbite. Your life needs substance and truth. This says you're going to make. Amen? You're just going to have to have that time given to it. Stand with me this morning. Oh, no, wait before you stand. I forgot. I did this in first service. I forgot. Because of Veterans Day, I, I want to close with prayer. But because of Veterans Day, I really do want us to remember how thankful we are for the freedom that we have. I have one more clip I'd like to show you. To the men and women who have served in times of war and peace, we honor you for your sacrifice. You heard the call to serve our country, left your home and family for us and for our children. To those who paid the price with blood, 
Your scars are a reminder that freedom is never free. To those who courageously gave their lives, you will not be forgotten. We will forever be in your debt. From land, air, and sea, you fought. Not out of hate for your enemies, but of love for your country. However you served, wherever you are, may the Lord bless and keep you. For your courage, strength, and valor, we stand and say, thank you. Give our veterans one more hand of appreciation. Amen. Thank you so much. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, if you'll stand with me, please. Maybe you're here today, and we don't always use the word a lot as we should. Jesus came preaching repentance. Because the kingdom of God, heaven, and God was at hand. Repentance just means a course adjustment. I'm going to change course to make sure I arrive at my desired destination. So I just want to, repentance keeps me on course with God. And I ask this in first service and I'll do it again. I ask you to bow your head just for a moment. Maybe you're like me. Maybe you're here today. And you'd say, Lord, I need to reevaluate the words that I speak. I'm not always speaking the right things at the right time. I need to do a better job of watching the words that I speak, the words that I sow, and the words that I hear. Because I want God's harvest in my life. How many like me would just be honest enough to raise your hand and say, I, I need to watch my words. Amen. I need help in that area. Amen. Amen. Father, this morning, we pray as David prayed. He said, O oh Lord, set a guard, a watchman at the door of my mouth. Help me to guard my words, to speak right things only. So, Father, today we repent of wrong words, wrong things. But Lord, you, you said words could be forgiven as long as they weren't against the Holy Spirit. So, Father, we pray for your forgiveness today. This morning, we repent of wrong words we've spoken and said at any time. We ask you for the forgiveness and the cleansing of your blood. Your word tells us that if we confess our sin, you are faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, Father, today we ask for your cleansing from wrong words spoken and allowed to be received into our lives we want to be able to make the right choice so we want to hear the right voice holy spirit we say yes to you to your guidance and your direction we want to learn how to hear your voice with greater care greater clarity than ever before so we pray you would be the one who would lead guide and direct us in every choice and every decision that we make. Father, I pray your blessing and your covering over your people today. I pray 
that your Holy Spirit would surround them and comfort them, lead them, guide them, and direct them throughout their day and their week, Father. In Jesus' name. I'm going to ask.